Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. My name is Tim Doyle, and this is Project Sports. Enjoy the show. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Project Sports. I know it's been a while since I've had an episode, but I've been moving. I've been to the state of Maine, the great state of Maine, and I'm excited to be here. Uh, I brought Caleb on the show today. We're having a rapid reaction to the NBA Finals of the Boston Celtics versus the Golden State Warriors. And the Golden State Warriors just won in Game 6. This is Project Sports Reaction. I haven't covered really any of the Celtics playoffs I've just been watching along, getting excited, getting my hopes up, and then tonight I was let down in the finals. But there's a bunch of reasons for that, and we're going to go over it tonight. Who we thought played well in the series, in the NBA Finals, and who we thought played poorly. And Caleb, how did you enjoy the game tonight? Good, bad, ugly? What's going on? Man, well, I guess it depends where you're coming from, right? <laughs> you're a I guess I was fan, kind of... not so good. <laughs> I was pretty, pretty new, like... I don't know. Obviously, I was rooting for the Celtics, but overall, I mean, I like the Warriors. I was, I've always loved uh, Curry and Clay, you know, in that squad. So <laughs> I was pretty like neutral for the most part. But at, I mean, I wanted the Celtics to win, but like, I'm not sad or anything. Like, like, <laughs> like all the Celtics fans are right now. Yeah. Um. So I guess I mean it was, it was kind of a, it was kind of a letdown. Yeah, definitely a letdown. I think because we saw so much potential in the Boston Celtics and that. Sorry, dude, that. Whatever noise that was. to what we saw in the playoffs, they played in. I think that's the real letdown. It's not that. It's not that. Uh, it's kind of the way. Texture just. Celtics team that we saw get here. So it's kind of sad that they didn't at least put up a fight and lose close. That. But really, he just had to bed when he hit that three and he, you know, put it to sleep. I mean, it's just, it's kind of a microcosm. Every game except for game five. And I guess we can get into some of the. Had really good game plans. Both coaches adjusted multiple times throughout the series. And I got to give it to Steve Kerr. Um, obviously, he had. I feel like was pushing the ball to court. I don't know if you saw this, Caleb, but after game four, game four, five, and six, things changed with them after the um, Celtics went up 3-1. I mean, 2-1. to one, Everything changed. Um, they pushed the ball much faster up the court. It was a, a thing that all, in all three of those games, and I think it was the difference where they saw something where the Celtics would play long stretches of defense really well. And then as soon as they play those defensive, they push the court. And I think it was just too much on them and pretty much rattled. You know, that youth came out in them. I think that was like the biggest thing. This is my, my big takeaway is the youth caught up with them and the, you know, three-time champion, now four-time champion Warriors stepped up and they knew exactly what they needed to do and they got it done. Anything, Dad? Yeah, I mean, I think you pretty much nailed it, but I was just, yeah. I'll... I'm all over the place here, all right? <laughs> I'm emotional. I can't yeah. for me to get on here on a podcast right after, but it's good. But go ahead. <laughs> I mean, it's what it's been 
12 years since they've been in the finals. 14 since they won their last one. Yeah, man. I, I feel I feel your pain a little bit, man. It's kind of sad. <laughs> it's just the, the way uh, they lost. The way they lost. The way they lost, too. The city was rallying around it. I really thought that they could, could pull through. But uh, the last two games, man, I kept saying in the group chat, and I, I talked about it with Jared at the moment, it was just too big for Jalen and JT. As much as, you know, J- Jalen would take shots and he was fearless, as we were alluding to, but at the same time, when you're, when you're running into players and you're, you're not dribbling the ball correctly and the moment's just too big and they just kind of folded under pressure and JT just disappeared. I don't know. He turned into an absolute potato. I just don't yeah. under, understand what happened there. Yeah, that's the thing that I'm the most confused by or like questioning in this whole series is like what happened to Jason Tatum? I still, I don't get it. Like he's obviously been in big moments before. He showed up against, you know, like I was saying in the group chat, like he showed up against LeBron, KD, Giannis. Like he's, I don't think he was like the moment, personally, I don't think the moment was too big for him. I just like, I don't know. I I don't have the answer, I guess. But I'm wondering if he just was, like, I don't want to say he was injured or anything, but something something had to be wrong. Like, I I don't get it. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure either. I just, he was making where he would, Cool. Um, Andrew Wiggins played. Beat, but he would he would lean towards the basket every time, in a position where he could get. He could have leaned back on a lot of his shots. I don't know if you noticed this. Like, there's just so many times where it was really characteristic of him the way he was positioning it. That's why it was too much for him. He was too much in his head. He was too much uh, maybe thinking about the moment. I'm not really too sure because the game one and game two came down, came back and called it right. So really that game was dominated by the Warriors early. You saw the game plan there. That I mean, it's a, a little bit different. The, the Warriors came out. They won They won that game three. We came out with the game plan. Kind of like some of the other series where we just you know spank a team for a half and then just kind of cruise control to them. But Jason James, no, you're playing against the other best team in the West. This is this is no joke, you know. And I just feel like disappeared, and he wasn't himself. That consistency is the biggest part, and there was no consistency. And it kind of was a telltale sign of the entire Boston Celtics team throughout the playoffs. There was not that they couldn't win back to back. Sometimes they always bailed them. Play a historic um, franchise. They're forming. We do that against them. You could do it against the Heat. You could do it against the Bucks without, you know. Can get in their own way, and you swept them with the Nets. But a, a team like the Warriors versus the very tough. I, I I do think JT, there is something wrong. There could be, you know, that maybe in I don't know. I mean, bang, Curry had banged up ankles. I mean, just kind of it could be tough as a young player going into that. Everyone else, 
I mean, I'd argue Curry has played way more games in his life than than Jason Tatum has. So, you got to find a way. I mean, even Draymond Green found a way tonight to five in game. Around and see that really, um, JT was was really subpar. Happy to perform and how it went. Who do you think on the Warriors is the top top unsung or the big three that really stepped up to the plate? Who is it? Uh, like what, what do you mean by the which big three? Uh, Thompson. Uh, yeah, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond. Outside of those three, who who is the person that stepped? Up? Oh, I mean, by by far, it has to be Andrew Wiggins. I, I I'd argue he was their second best player by far as well. Obviously, Steph MVP. Then then Wiggins was just so good. Like not even just for this series, but throughout the whole playoffs, throughout the whole season, really, he was amazing. And kind of just you know. People are gonna think differently about uh, Wiggins now than they did pre- before. Before he was just a number one pick who put up some numbers, but you know, just winning wasn't part of his resume. But now, now that he came out and he he played well, like I think a big reason why Tatum wasn't as effective. I think you got you got to give some credit to to Wiggins who was on him, defending him the whole time for most of the time. And you no, know, he came out he came out big on the boards because they played really small. Like they started Draymond at center for most of the series and, you know, like Wiggins came up and got like, like picked up the pace on, on the rebounds and yeah, big, like mad props to Wiggins. I'm happy for the guy. Like, you know, I always been a fan of his cause he's obviously a good player, but just people just gave him a lot of crap just because, you know, being the number one pick and having high expectations as he should. But, you know, I think now he showed out and yeah, now he's a champion. So he can yeah. shut up all the haters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do, I do like that storyline for him too. He seems like a nice kid, nice guy, and he's just uh, yeah, you you know drafted by the Timberwolves. I mean, at that time the Timberwolves were in shambles, bad organization. Now he is able to prove himself, and like you said, he really did. He put yeah. a number on Jason Tatum, man. He really made him work for everything, and we saw that. I mean, it it's a short story. Andrew Wiggins shut down Jason Tatum most of the time in the big moments that he needed to. And made plays on the offense. It wasn't just the defense. It was the offensive stuff that was like, here's the mm-hmm. game plan going into this. Steph Curry just went off for 40 points last night. We're going to focus on him. And so then Steph Curry in game five doesn't hit any threes, right? Let's let one of the other role players kill us. Well, good job, Celtics, because they, Andrew Wiggins <laughs> stepped up and he crushed you. And so did Jordan Poole as well. But like you said, you know, Andrew Wiggins was the second best player, we could say, throughout the series. I would I yeah. would say even over the Celtics too. Like I don't think there's yeah. anyone that could that could beat him after tonight too. Did it again. He just stepped up when he needed to. Yeah, for sure. And his story is actually even more interesting. I don't know if you remember, but he was actually drafted um by the by the Cavs when LeBron went over there. That's true. And yes. Traded him. LeBron. LeBron traded him pretty much to uh, for Kevin Love. So like that that whole thing two was just funny. Wolves, yeah. Two to two wolves. Yeah. Yep. Which was just like number one pick. All right, we're trading you. So, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, yeah. So it's even a, it's even a nephew to LeBron James, which is kind of nice. Okay, I like that even more. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, turn, turn something against LeBron somehow. You gotta find a way. 
Yeah, and you know what? As much as I was making fun of Clay Thompson in the group chat, I, I, I also do feel that Clay really slowly progressed into the, these last two games, and it just was, again, overwhelming for the Celtics. It's like you saw Draymond get better. You saw Clay get better. Poole was involved. Wiggins was involved. You just saw it coming. Like you saw, you right. saw their championship just coming to a, a mold. Like you're like, oh crap! All their all their lead players are starting to play well. I don't think this is going to end. The yeah, way they the got Celtics they got to. they got better as the series went. That's that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I still think Clay Thompson is not at 100 percent, or he's not back to what where he used to be Clay, before. Where he used to be no. his, not like I don't think he's really at that level. So. You're literally playing with a 60% clay compared to what it used to be. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. So, I, I don't know. At the end of the day, I, I kind of do feel like uh, Steph and Wiggins kind of, like, carry this team because Draymond was pretty – he was pretty awful at the beginning of the series. And, you know, it took clay uh, – not clay, sorry. It took um, Steph. He had that crazy game where he put up, what, 40, 43 or something? Yes. He obviously – he carried them to that win. And then, you know, Wiggins was steady throughout the whole series. I think those two really just carried them. And then, you know, as the as they started playing better, the, the other players like Clay and Poole and Draymond, then at that point, it's a, it's a wrap. Like, they're all locked in. It's over. Yeah. I mean, you saw, you saw it in the first quarter tonight. Once they came back in the first quarter, I was like, we were in trouble. Like, that was – Yeah. We made a run. 21 points in a row. Yep. Yeah. We we made our run. We took a point, and then all of a sudden they came storming back, and then they never looked back. And there was a point there in the fourth quarter where you know we got within nine, ten, eleven, whatever, a few different times as we're going back and forth, trying to go on a run. And and there was there's some fun, but. I just feel like the Warriors had it, and they tried their style of basketball with uh, Williams and the way JT and Jalen point shot or drive and try to take three-pointers as much as you can. If you're going to literally by them then you're going to lose every time and they got lulled into it i don't think that was the game plan i just feel like they're like oh man we're not gonna keep shooting, keep shooting. But if we're gonna outshoot you and then at times like yeah celtics are a really good three-point shooting team but at the same time you know you've got that home city boston feel energy you can drive to the hoop make it dunk you know make a block with williams or horford get people that X is no strategic kind of thing, but as more as like overwhelming a team with your, yeah. Well, from January all the way up on their streak, knowing who they were defensively, and then countering. Things. If anything, you know, Marcus Smart missing layups. You had JT and Jalen Brown. I mean. J- oh, JT was short, short remnant, which means he was tired in game five. And it was, it was awful to watch him fall apart like that. That's just, just because everything just seemed to not go their way, but because they were getting in their own. This was the best 
and we've seen about. I don't think this was like a monumental task to beat them. I think the Celtics could have beat them. I, I think, you know, a slew of other Eastern they had a chance to beat the Warriors in this finals. I just think that the Celtics were just too. Is my takeaway. They could have beat that team, but they there was too much wisdom on that Warriors side. You, uh, and they were talking about, you know, it's just like you know a Bill Belichick team in football. It's like they always they just just like the Warriors just find a way. They're trying to find a way, and they kind of felt like they, were, they weren't that great team of old, where you literally couldn't stop the Warriors. That team scrappy and they will find a way to win and make you pay because they are have a higher IQ multiple time. And I just I, that's just how I feel about like the whole the whole scenario. Do you have any take on that? No, I, I completely agree, man. I think overall, like if both teams were at their best playing their game, that the Celtics were the better team for sure. I thought that at the beginning of the series, and I still think that now. I just think like you said, the Celtics they like they try to play warrior style basketball against the Warriors, which is obviously a recipe for disaster. And I think you're right too. I don't think the Warriors were like a crazy, you know, like a crazy team when they had KD and that crazy superstar team that no one would like. Even LeBron at his best couldn't like couldn't really beat those teams. So I mean, I guess mm-hmm. he did once, but you know, you know what I mean. But um. Yeah, I don't think it was. I don't think it was a crazy Warriors team. They were like we were saying. Clay wasn't hundred percent. Draymond was, you know, old, he's getting older and not as good as he used to be. It's really just Clay, uh, really uh, just Steph. And yeah, this team, like I thought the Celtics were going to win the series at the at, at the beginning. I really did. But mm-hmm. um, well, yeah, I agree. The Warriors just, uh, I guess that championship experience. I hate when people say that, but I guess it was true this time around. Like okay. it, I honestly, yeah, I'm not. So naive, and you see other dogs all the time. So it's like, uh, but for this one, it kind of was. You kind of seen how they picked apart decision making, and you just saw a lot of the naiveness from the Boston Celtics. So I think right. experience a big part. Yeah. And the Warriors had like a bunch of play, like even uh, less role role players step up too. Like Gary Payton, the second was really good when he was out there defensively he like played really well um looney played well but you can't really say the same for the Celtics. like where was grant williams where was um Derek white who were really who were really good in series like the series against miami and even against milwaukee but like where were these guys in this series there was there was no help and no bench shrunk even more than jt did and you know what i think sometimes when but I just that's what it is I mean you're so right about that like how many bench players in the Warriors that's why I could you're seeing it throughout the series but the role players are making plays the Warriors are going to win this thing I mean that's how you can kind of like and the normal guys in white like white how many shots do we see him miss he tried and he was shots tonight, and he was he was so bad. Yeah, so bad. And he was and he was amazing. He was amazing against Miami. He was great. Like they wouldn't be in the finals if he didn't play 
as well as he did against Miami. But yeah, yeah exactly. He, it was just a combination of like role players not stepping up, and obviously, you know, the Celtics superstar player JT Jason Tatum did not show up either. So you, you know, it's what scary you when when or no Celtics have a larger team physically with the height advantage over the so played on the court like they were just like I said Jay Man, was just driving into players right Marcus was trying to take a ball cylinder sticking out everywhere from pool to curry to they they were just ready to go but the last two games, it was turnovers upon turnovers, and that really killed them as well. And when you start to feel so smaller, and yeah, super sloppy, and every time they would go down the court, I didn't even feel comfortable. And you went from a place where the they're playing so well, and they go on these big stretches where they just kill you, kill you, kill you. Yeah. They went on quick small runs and then deflated quick small runs, but then, like you said, they didn't have the bench. Three like came the last games, everything White was missing, everything Williams was okay defensively tonight. Playing whatever role Doka had him playing, but where does Steph Curry? We're, we're done with the Celtics. Steph Curry now wins this four. So my, my question to you was, for Steph Curry, where does this and the Warriors, two-part question is, you know, where does it put the Warriors as far as a solidified dynasty? And then also Steph Curry, you know, in the top echelons of NBA players in our minds, where does this really, really propel him forward? Where does he kind of end up? Not asking for a total top 10, but where, where does it push him to as far as new heights? Yeah, for sure. And um, I think, first of all, the Warriors dynasty, I think they were already a dynasty before the championship, having won, you know, three championships since, I forget when their first one was, maybe 2015. But mm-hmm. having won three, being to the finals, I think like five times in a row, um, you know, now getting another one makes that dynasty even 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 better. But... But yeah, that's the Warriors for sure. But Steph, yeah, this this has to propel him even higher up the, you know, the greatest players that to ever play for sure. Um, you know, as far as guards go, he has to be up there with you know, top three. I, I mean, I can't think of maybe Kobe and I don't know who else, but like Steph is up there with those guys for sure, having won another championship. And he's listed as a point guard, yeah. So I mean, is there really another point guard who is better? Yeah, I mean. If, yeah, I don't know. I don't see him as a point guard, but yeah, he's he's kind of like a, a combo guard. He plays both. Yeah, he plays but, both. He play, he's, he's their starting point guard, technically. I see what you – I know what you mean, but yeah, I mean, technically – Yeah, technically – yeah, that's true. I mean, I think I think he's definitely one of the, the greatest players ever, for sure. And especially, as they always say, like he completely changed the game with his three-point shooting – you know, you go, you play basketball now, just pick up. You got people shooting shots from like 10 feet beyond the three point line. 
they everyone does that because of stuff people didn't do that before so yeah changed the game and yeah he's amazing and to dominate like he does as a god you know that's tough to do so it is and yeah, it's, big it's big big props to Steph. i'm glad he finally got his mvp for sure yeah and steph is such a likable character really nice guy and i just think for you know steph curry has just brought like it's so funny they toss around um, the greatest shooter of all time, you know, and he's obviously has broken the three point record, but it's not even, it's not even close. Like between Reg, we, we all saw Reggie Miller growing up and then Ray Allen break the record. And for years we thought that that's what great shooting was. And then this man comes along and shows us a brand new light. It's so funny because there's such resistance, you know, to call Tom Brady, the goat, right. For so many years, there was always haters, but it's like socially acceptable and every, you know, basketball person who you talk to, he's the greatest shooter ever. He shattered and blew, you know, stats out of the water that he blew the single season record, like tripled or quadrupled it out, like in a single season, hitting the most threes. He broke, you know, the, um, the three point record faster than, you know, Ray Allen did was, you know, in his like late into his career when he actually broke the record all that kind of stuff. So it really is kind of cool to see, to see someone, like you said, he changed the game for sure. He changed it forever. And, you know, we may never see another player like that. And I think right. I, it should be interesting to see what happens. I, I've thought this now for, you know, for a while. What Steph, like, fades in his career, does the NBA stay like that or does it shift to a new place? Because we've seen the NBA shift three or four times since you and I have been watching it. And we could see another shift again. Do we go back to bigs and do we go back to more of a, you know, Paul Pierce, Kobe Bryant, you know, time frame early 2000s, or do we stay with this long range shooting? But because you can't, you can't stay in this long range shooting when you don't have a team that's built like the Warriors and everyone's trying to compete and beat them. Whoever the next best team is, usually that's how it's in. Like the trend usually gets set by whoever the top, top team is and whoever the top player all that kind of stuff. You, you, that's who the kid is trying to mimic, correct? So, I mean, yeah, we, do, yeah. we, we do have a lot of young shooters and that we do have a lot of crazy three-point shooters now comparative to what we used to have, but no one is still even close to uh, uh, Steph Curry's level. The, yeah, only one, just, the, the only one closest is probably Clay, and he's on the same team and he's still not even close. Right. Yeah, I, I do agree, but I, I probably think the, the league is not going to go back to the way – the way it was in the 2000s. I think the three-point line is here to stay, especially because analytics just drive, you know, they drive everything now where that wasn't really a huge part of the game back in the 2000s, I think, where now, you know, like all the analytics people, they say like the three-point shot is the best shot to take because even if you miss a bunch of them, like, you know, like... You'll still you'll fall. Make, you'll make, yeah, you'll make enough that it will be fine. You know, like you'll get to your average at the end of the day, you'll be fine. And, you know, before they weren't taking that many threes a game. They were now that number as well, which is crazy. I think this is also like a tribute someone just to Steph as well, where he takes so many more threes than any other player ever has. And just just in general, the NBA in general just takes a lot of threes. Um, it, it's a different it's a different game than when like Reggie Miller played. He he took like what five to six three pointers per game, which was a lot back then. But now Steph is taking like 14 16 threes a game, which is crazy. Yeah, and they're not even – they're like highly contested threes, step backs, uh, already two feet beyond the 
three-point yeah. line, and then he well, stepped yeah, back that's... another foot, and you're like, what the heck? Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, Reggie Miller and Ray Allen, they were, ca- they were catch-and-shoot type players. You know, they run off screens, get picks, and then be wide, be open, get a shot, get a pass, and then pull up for the three. Where Steph, he'll just he, – he shoots off the, catch, off the catch and off the dribble, which is – not the same. Like we wouldn't have, have that many players that do that since um no in Steph- this era we, in this era we have a bench. We got Steph, you know, like uh James Harden and Damian Lillard, Lillard, a few a few players that do that. But you know, back back in when we were kids watching Reggie Miller and Ray Allen, they wouldn't never they would never do that. They were all catch and shoot players. No, and yeah, I mean his he he can do it in transition. He can just pull up as he brings the ball up the court. I mean, there's so many different ways. And like you said, the analytics tell you, shoot, shoot, shoot. So it, we might not see it for sure, but then it's like my, my only thing is what if we're not, we, you know, what if we don't have that drive of that moving force of a uh, Steph Curry type player pushing the numbers of like yeah, his percentage. Sure. I think the player is what will dictate that. Like if another Shaq comes around, another player like Shaq, then I think things are going to shift more to the post, right? Yeah, that that's, that was that was kind of, yeah, that was more kind of my point. It's like, what but it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna depend on that player coming around. Which you know, are we ever gonna see another Shaq? Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's I like don't a know. Once, that's a tough one. <laughs> once in a generation player, if not, yeah, you know, once in two generation player or something. But yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if the NBA shifted back a little bit more to the post or things like that. But you need you need bigs to do that, and even these days, the bigs are shooting threes like. You know, that wasn't really a thing back then. No. So, I mean, yeah, the whole court is more spread out too. So, yeah, like a Joel Embiid, but even he can shoot, but he can also dominate the paint. And we'll see, you know, where that could go in the next couple of years because everyone seems to enjoy his game and he just gets better and better every year, Caleb. And I feel like that could be someone that could position it that way. But, again, he can also shoot. So, it's like (laughs) – it's like right. yeah, that dynamic where it's just, you're still stretching the floor because you don't know what he's gonna do, so it's 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 difficult. And we 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 used to see I think the Suns and the Mavericks used to push with the Mike D'Antoni offense, and we used to be like that will never win a championship, you know, trying to score, 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 and it's you know offense can win, and the Warriors have that you know they they have that great balance of you know the defense and the offense with it, but they can you know rain threes on you and like you said statistics say you're gonna you're gonna hit more than you miss or you're gonna make enough points to cover the two pointers that you would have got in the inside so you can win with a smaller team because you look at their team and you're like how is that basketball team winning and it's like well shooters Draymond is like six six playing center yeah yeah crazy. how is that happening <laughs> but yeah times have changed and yeah like you said once in a generation we'll have to see what types of players come down the line um all right, man. This has been pretty good. I think we got a half hour in here. I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, for sure. And uh, one last thing. Yeah. After we get off, go check out my logo on um, our fantasy football. Oh league. gosh, that's right. We did make a bet, so you're allowed to change it back. I forgot about this. <laughs> I wasted no time. <laughs> I wouldn't either, since uh, the logo I gave you was pretty rough. But uh, anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening to the show, guys. Um, my stuff should be getting here, my podcasting stuff within a couple of weeks from now. So a lot more shows lined up. Sorry, just don't have the time, but we're going to be pumping out a lot more shows once I get set up shop here. 
Um, again, thanks for coming on, Caleb. And we'll be talking World Cup soccer very, very soon. I can't wait for it. Yeah, for sure. Excited and we'll that. never talk about the Liverpool loss. That's it. All right. <laughs> yeah, we got to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night, guys. Take care. All right, later, man.